What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Multiverse Monologues, the podcast show where we like to travel across the multiverses and fandoms that we love to talk about the movies and television shows that accompany those universes. Today, we will be traveling to Sam Raimi's Spider-Man universe for the third and final time to talk about Spider-Man 3, starring Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, and a whole host of others in this climactic finale to the Raimi trilogy. We've got hot takes and a whole lot more to discuss about Spider-Man 3, but before we do, I have to introduce the fine gentleman who helped make this show the way it is today. First off, we have Mr. Ethan Wensloff. Ethan, how are you doing? I'm so good, to quote Harry Osborn <laughs> in this movie. I'm just happy to be back here talking Spider-Man 3. It's always fun to talk Spider-Man, and it's even more fun to be here with you guys. Indeed, and we also have Mr. Micah Head. Micah, how are you doing? I'm doing great, but I think I'm doing a little less great now that you said the final time we're in the Raimi trilogy, or the Raimi universe, because I think that's closing the door on what could be an amazing fourth installment that we could see in the future. That is true, and we will get into that conversation because the rumor mill has been a buzz since, of course, No Way Home. But we got to talk about Spider-Man 3 first, but before we do... Leave a review on podcast for Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'd be greatly appreciated. Also, go subscribe to our YouTube channel where awesome content goes up every week, multiple times a week. It'd be greatly appreciated. But gentlemen, let's open our sling rings and head over to Sam Raimi's Spider-Man universe. See you, chump. With every choice we make, history branches in two, creating one Earth, where we made the choice, and the second, where we didn't. Multiverse would be a more apt description. But what's a multiverse? Multiverse is a concept about which we know frighteningly little. Who are you in this vast multiverse? <sighs> this shouldn't even be possible. I got a bad feeling about this. Multiverse is real. Spider-Man 3. No movie, I think, has had more impact on meme culture since I would say the prequels than this movie. This movie has influenced not only a group of individuals who grew up with the Spider-Man movies, but has cemented its place in meme culture as being one of the all-time great meme movies. Before we get into this movie, directed by Sam Raimi in 2007, Mr. Wensloff has a summary for us. Yeah, and if you haven't seen this movie, if you're one of the three people in the world who has not seen Spider-Man 3, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the rundown, but... Uh, definitely go check it out before we spoil the heck out of this. But Spider-Man 3, written and directed by none other than Sam Raimi, who has just returned to the MCU with uh, Multiverse of Madness, so it's great seeing him back. And uh, we we definitely have a, a special soft spot in our hearts for this trilogy. But characters in this movie are Peter Parker, played by Tommy McGuire, Mary Jane, played by Kristen Dunst, Eddie Brock, played by Topher Grace, who is famous from that 70s show and actually left that 70s show to do this Role, which ultimately kind of, uh, I guess, ruined the last season of that show. If uh, you're a fan of that show, you can uh, let me know how you feel. But yeah, and then we got Flint Marco slash Sandman, played by Thomas Hayden Church. Harry Osborn, played by James Franco. Gwen Stacy, played by Bryce Dallas Howard, who uh, whose father is... Captain uh, Stacy. But he is... Oh, shoot. Who's he? I know he Ron plays Howard. something. I'm talking the actor, oh. Ron Howard in real life, who does does solo. <laughs> Completely and went over Bri- my Bryce head. Dallas Howard yes. has ventured into the, the Star Wars fandom, if you've been keeping up with that. So it's cool to see her. And obviously the Jurassic World franchise, she's very heavy in that. And then we got Mae Parker, played by Rosemary Harris, and J. Jonah Jameson, played by the iconic J.K. Simmons. And I, looking up this movie, trying to find one plot synopsis for this movie is a mess. It's just a mess. It's so hard to get, uh, find anyone who has summarized this movie and have it in a way that makes sense. So the one I'm reading here is, is the best one I found online. And uh, it, it, it goes as follows. In the third and final film of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man saga, things are going good for Peter Parker. His relationship with his girlfriend, Mary Jane, is progressing and the world has become more accepting of Spider-Man. However, when Peter's best friend, Harry Osborn, becomes the new goblin, and the man responsible for the death of Peter's Uncle Ben, Flint Marco, escapes from prison. Peter finds his life turned upside down. Things are made even worse when an alien symbiote attaches itself to Peter and gives him heightened powers 
and aggression, which is the official synopsis. I, I wouldn't exactly say aggression. I'd say wicked dance moves. But <laughs> Nice. Uh, but can Feeder find his way back to what it means to be Spider-Man before it's too late? We're going to answer that question right now. Do you have a messy finale, or do you have a really good conclusion to this trilogy? I think we have an answer for you. I definitely do. I know I have my take, but I'll shoot it over to Mr. Head first. What do you think of Spider-Man 3? I know that you're a big fan of the Raimi trilogy based on the first two reviews that we have, but (laughs) Spider-Man 3 is a mixed bag, even among the fans. So where where does it land for you? Personally, uh, I have seen this movie more times than the other three. I believe. Uh, This was the movie that after I had worn out the Spider-Man 2 disc, we had gotten a PS3 by that time. And we had the first, our first Blu-ray player was the PS3. And with that came Spider-Man 3, the the movie. So I I had the game and I had the movie. So I would play the game and I watched the movie over and over and over again. So this play, this movie does have a place near and dear to my heart, but I will remain as non-biased as I can in this review because I'm I'm looking at this from an adult's eyes rather than a six-year-old's eyes Mm -hmm. or however old I was at that time. All right, so 2007, I would have been been five when this movie came out, so I probably saw it when I was six, seven, and eight for the most part. Um, But I I really enjoyed this movie. I, I think that... No, it's not Spider-Man 2. I will admit that. <laughs> but I think that it is a lot of what Sam Raimi wanted to do. He didn't let the studio control him as much as studios control movies nowadays. Like with Eternals, we hear that there's this Chloe Zhao cut that is just phenomenal. That has so many more character building moments. And Eternals was already kind of great. Um, we see Zack Snyder with the Justice League with Snyder League. And it's just all of these studio uh, influences going on. This was one of the first studio-influenced movies where they said, all right, you have to have Venom in here because we're going to push Venom to be this huge villain and he's going to be super menacing and all that. But then they just kill him anyway. So I don't know what they were trying to do with that. Um, Sell toys. Sell toys. Yeah, that's what it was. So overall, I think that the character development is there. I think that a lot of the main characters are there. I think that we get the conflicts, we get the the character arcs with both Peter and Harry and uh, not as much with MJ. MJ never really gets a good character arc in this series, but I think that that fits her character because I don't know about you guys, but she's written to not be liked. <laughs> I it do has not like, to be. That yeah, has to be the case. There's no reason because Sam Raimi has done good female characters before. She, uh, I mean, like uh, Gwen Stacy. She's written pretty well. She doesn't have much screen time, but from what we see, she's she's written like she. I I, I think my favorite scene with with Gwen Stacy is uh, when she is like very. Uh, anxious about what's going on in that bar scene when he's dancing around being um, uh, <laughs> what, what do you guys call him? Emo Parker. Emo Parker. Uh, yeah. So Bully Maguire. That's there what we go. Yeah. Bully Maguire. That was the word we were looking for. Uh, I, I like her acting. Her acting is really good. I think that a lot of the acting choices in this movie, hot take, were not bad. Were they perfect? No. But that's for all of these Spider-Man movies. And you got to remember. Peter Parker in this movie is still, what, 20? He's still in college, so he's still around that age. Uh, so he still has the, that awkwardness of teen growth. Um, but overall, I think the acting, I think the story, I think a lot of things are there, but it falls short in just the small aspects. The small mm-hmm. things like Topher Grace's performance isn't the best. Uh, some of his motives aren't quite there as well there's a lot of footage that is lost there's a lot of lost footage for this movie that made it into the trailer even as far as the trailer but then it was cut before the movie came out so i think that some of those scenes would have solved this some of them would have shown a bit more the the black spider-man suit which is super cool uh i think that's one of the highlights of this movie is the black spider-man suit and um it's highlighted that in some interviews with Raimi, he said that there were um 
uh, crime fighting scenes that Black Spider-Man had. That would have been sick to add in the movie, oh, wow. showing Spider-Man's arrogance and his uh, just hatred for criminals and you know just the evil Spider-Man beating down on people. Uh, you even see pictures where he's lifting the two motorcycles in the air, things like that. There, there's evidence that those scenes were there in the movie, but they're not there. Mm-hmm. So this movie is so close to being on par or better than the other movies, but because it's missing so many of those essential aspects, it's not as good as it could be. There's... I think this is the one movie in the trilogy that falls short of its full potential. Hmm. Do you agree with that, Ethan? Uh, I I agree with what he's bouncing around is this is so close. It's so close. So close to being a good movie. And I like that you say that's because there's not enough. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely the argument is there's not enough of certain things and there's too much of other things. Mm -hmm. Like the three villains, Mm -hmm. bad move. This is a bad move. I don't think it would have worked for the whole movie. And you feel that. You're watching the movie and you forget Sandman's in this movie. He shows up after 30 minutes. he's the minutes. best one. He's he, the best villain. I always have loved Thomas Hayden Church's portrayal mm. of Flint Marco. It's one of my favorite things. We were talking about it leading up to the No Way Home hype train. That was one of my most anticipated things is to see Sandman back because he's not given the justice he deserves in this movie. And some of the things they give him are really bad. I don't like that he killed Uncle Ben. I really hate that choice, actually. It retroactively, it doesn't ruin the first one. It just makes that, it makes it hit a little different when you're looking at it through the lens of the third film. But yeah, there is stuff missing. There's a lot, I think a lot of characters don't get development. They don't get growth I want. And uh, you were saying, what were you saying? I'm trying to remember. About which part, with Mary Jane or with... Uh... So Mary Jane, I, I got some opinions. I am actually... I think you two will be against me. I'm going to defend Mary Jane okay. in this podcast. I'm going to come to her aid. I think that Peter sucks, and he deserves everything MJ does. Wow. He, Peter sucks in this movie. Can we just agree on well, that? Well, I think he sucks because of the no. symbiote. Yeah, he, I, I disagree with that. He sucks before he gets the symbiote. He's not listening to Mary Jane. He kisses Gwen Stacy upside down, stealing the kiss that was hers in Spider-Man. But I, the symbiote amplifies it amplifies the, the already existing traits of the person. So yeah. that's to show that okay, Peter Parker already had this arrogance in him. Yes, but the symbiote just times one thousand. But I'm saying the stupidest thing he did, the thing that started this chain reaction, that the first domino to fall was him kissing Gwen Stacy which was fully our Peter, fully him doing. That's before Definitely. the symbiote had attached to him. That's the the straw that broke the camel's back, and everything else followed after that. It was all just escalating from there. But throughout the film, he's. I think where they try and show you that he is a good person is that showing you that it means nothing is he's he's attempting to marry Mary Jane. Like he mm-hmm. wants to be in a relationship with her. He's Spider-Man. He's like, yeah, it's very, I'm not saying I would have done this. It's probably not the wisest move, especially because you were just with her in the crowd. But doing that for the crowd, I believe it was just for the crowd. It now, was. obviously, I believe there was a part of this movie that was to say, all right, we're going to try and tease Gwen Stacy. We're not going to have it full on there. But I think the reason they start to make Mary Jane's character annoying is because they have plans to get Gwen Stacy in there and have her be eventually Peter Parker's love interest, which then got taken into the the new ones and just made Gwen Stacy his de facto love interest with no Mary Jane. But I think it was, I think totally it was just, hey, do it for the crowd. It'd be awesome. Like they would love that. He says they'll love it. He doesn't say. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm talking about from Mary Jane's perspective when she, when Peter does this, it hurts her. And then she finds out, oh, this is someone that Peter is lab partners with and has been for a while. He hasn't even mentioned mm-hmm. this super beautiful woman to me that he's been seeing at least two or three times a week. So that's got to hurt. And then he kisses her and in front of everyone, it, you know, it just. Oh, and then on top of it shows up at the when French he's restaurant trying to pro- when he's yeah. about to propose. 
the worst yeah, pro- so proposal opportunity I think, ever. yeah, MJ can get some tons of hate in this trilogy. I think in Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. she is terrible. But I, I'm going to defend her choice. Did she Was she out of pocket by kissing Harry? Mm-hmm. 110%. Was she out of pocket by not accepting Peter's trying to be... Uh, you know, show empathy towards her by saying, Hey, Spider-Man gets this all the time. And you know, I I've been there too. And then she completely turns him down and says, it's not no, about you. It's not like, about you. I'm trying not, to be empathetic. Exactly. Here. Right. <laughs> this it, is how it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. Like, and then she literally says, you're not, you just don't understand when he literally understands. <laughs> He's trying to relate to her. And she, yeah. it's like, she's being difficult for the sake of the writing at this mm-hmm. point. Like, but you can Sam totally Raimi see someone trying. being stubborn to that, though. Like, I can I can totally see somebody like Mary Jane, because that's how she's been written in the whole trilogy, where she's stubborn, she's uh, always trying to find the someone that'll make her happy in some way, and when Peter isn't going above and beyond for... Like, above and above and beyond, because Peter already right. does a lot for her. I, I think it fits her character, and it's an excuse for whatever bad writing that could be. Either way, it makes me really mad. Like her it portrayal, it's it it hurts me. And maybe that's the emotion they're trying to draw out of you. But when I'm watching this movie, anytime she is on screen, it really I get really annoyed mm. at MJ. I don't know. Like it's just it continues the pattern from one to and now into three. And I don't know. I just don't. Yeah, like it. and. I definitely have felt that every other watch before this. I'd say out of watches, this is my least favorite viewing mm. of Spider-Man 3. I've liked it. I like it less than I ever have right now in this current state. I still think there's some good in this movie. But, yeah, even Sam Raimi has said that he hates this movie. Mm-hmm. Sam Raimi's come on and said that. And what I remember what I wanted to highlight earlier is this is the third trilogy that we're finishing. We had Blade, we had X-Men, and now we have Sam Raimi. Each one of those had studio interference. Blade, oh, yeah. the inclusion of the Ryan Reynolds character, they wanted a spinoff with that. And then uh, the inclusion of the Cure storyline instead of just focusing on the Dark Phoenix in X-Men The Last Stand. And now we have the inclusion of Venom. So it's really sad to see it in our early stages that directors and storytellers weren't allowed to just do what they wanted to do. The studio dictated what they had to do for these movies. And that really sucks because... I do think that there is a really good movie under this surface. I just, you feel it with the Venom storyline. Now, are some of my favorite parts in this movie due to the Venom side of things? 110%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bully Maguire. It's, I don't. The first time he puts on the suit, that's epic. Yes. It's Bonamabana. Some of the best stuff from this movie is the black suit Spider-Man, is Bully Maguire. It comes from the symbiote. But. It's not. It's like forty minutes into the movie, when you the symbiote attaches to his suit. But also, I really hate that it's a suit, because in the comics, the symbiote manifests a suit. He's he's naked. Peter Parker's naked. All his clothes are manifested by the symbiote. So the fact that it's a suit that he puts on, it's a little weird. It's super weird, and that just goes into how Sam Raimi viewed Venom. He. Venom was a newer character at the time. Raimi really hated Venom. So that's why he's not handled the best. And uh, uh, Topher Grace, it doesn't help that they Mm-mm. got a skinny Topher. Eddie Brock's supposed to be this big, bulky guy. Right. And like, as much as I don't like the Sony Venom movies, I think Tom Hardy's got the build of Eddie Bl- Eddie Brock. He looks, he looks like that character. But Topher Grace, as much as I love the guy and... I love him in inter- interviews and just who he is as a person. And I think he's a good actor. I don't think he was the perfect casting for this character. Well, what um, I was reading some interviews and um, Sam Raimi said that he wanted Eddie Brock to be the uh, like the Venom version of Peter Parker. So he wanted him to be as close to the arrogant Venom Peter Parker as possible, but without an influence of Venom. And then the audience can realize, hey, this guy's exactly like Peter Parker on Venom. So imagine how much worse Venom will be and then see how cause all these movies, all three of these movies, the villain is exactly like Peter if he took the wrong path. That's how Green Goblin was. He 
He didn't use his power with responsibility. That's how um, Doc Ock was. He didn't use his relationships with everybody properly. And then the third one, it's about his emotions. So he's not using his emotions properly. Hmm. And uh, I think that that helps with the character to like the it. Sure, it's not who Venom is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Topher Grace does not look like Eddie Brock in the comics, but. Like you said, Sam Raimi doesn't like the idea of Venom in the first place. Why would he follow what the comics say when he doesn't like what the comics say to begin with? So he's got to make his own character. All he had to do was put the symbiote in there, call him Eddie Brock, make him a photographer, and ruin his whole day. So um, Peter Parker steals Eddie Brock's career, his girl, and then you know what else is left? All, all uh, Topher has left is the... If you want... what. <laughs> What is uh what is Peter Parker says if you want forgiveness get religion. Yes. <laughs> that is so then he goes to the church and prays that God kills Peter Parker. <laughs> it's legit like the greatest display of fear into a character like you see <laughs> you want forgiveness get religion. Then he literally Epic. goes ask God to Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yes. God, I ask you humbly kill Peter Parker. <laughs> so I don't like I don't like the Venom symbiote in this movie either. I think it would have been better without him or if the movie was just focused on Venom instead of having all these other storylines. But I will say, it did give us some pretty sick posters mm-hmm. and trailers because all the promotional material for this, you know, the the him sighting on the building and inside the, the reflection is the black suit. Yeah. Those posters go pretty hard, man. So, yes, we were six when this movie came out, most of us, or around five. six. Yeah. Michael was five. But what what do you guys remember? What is your first memory of seeing the black suit spider-man for me we had a beach towel that had <laughs> the black suit poster on it and that that's my first memory so much of black suit spider-man my cousin had a poster and it was the poster of spider-man he was in his suit but it's the one with the symbiote crawling yes. up on his suit yeah. like this and it was in his room and every time i'd go over there i would always look at it and be like but I never watched the movies. But I would always think, like, because you'd see all the promotional material everywhere. I, I distinctly remember that as Spider-Man 3 being a huge thing. It's why I watched all the other ones, like, Day Of, like, I was so invested. But I have a core memory of that movie and the posters and everything like that. It was huge. It was huge at the time. Yeah, how This movie made a ton of freaking money. Oh, yeah. Ton, it, made, the it made the most money, I think, out of anything so far. Like... For without a doubt, and which is crazy, because it didn't get a sequel. Eight hundred and ninety-four million dollars. That is, that is, is that what, our, not our most profitable? That's sixty or seventy million more than the original Spider-Man. That and then is, third place is Spider-Man yeah. Two at seven hundred ninety-four. These movies made a boatload of cash, and it shows that they were able to put that back into the budget because this is the bleeding edge. Of CGI, yes. I noticed that the they they were showing off in this movie. In the first movie, they were showing off by having uh, Peter without the suit in CGI, but it didn't look as uh, that great, right? In this movie, it is like for 2007. Yep, that is really really they really good. start to hone their craft in this movie, especially the first swinging sequence, extended swinging sequence that we get in Spider-Man Three. You can tell. It's already the CGI is better, especially with Sandman. Those mm. close-up shots of the sand. I was yeah. watching on my laptop. They weren't even but, able to render it when this movie was being produced. Like they had to wait until the hardware was coming out before the like they waited for the hardware to come out so that they can render this movie. Wow. This is how bleeding edge it is. And you can see there are things to look at to to notice that it's not as good as it could be now. Like there you can see that the sand is rendered in patches. But it was all AI, and that AI is insanely good for 2007. Uh, what I want to point out the most, though, is that this is the, the, the movie with the most CGI fight scenes. And, this, they, and it's all in the air. It's all swinging. And it's all, um, like, compared to even the Blade CGI mm-hmm. fighting, we thought that that was pretty good because it was, they were able to hide it very well. But in this movie, it is broad. Uh, it wasn't daylight, but broad, like, New York lighting at night. You can see all the faces. You can see that that is Tobey Maguire and that is James Franco. That is their faces on these models. And it is 
pretty high res. <laughs> like, well, the sequence with uh, where Goblin comes yeah. and attacks Peter. Like that whole sequence of it, like even in the it's air, so him seamless. like shooting the webs really, at him. Really good sequence. Really, really good. good sequence. Yeah. Like it starts off, even though I will say from a storyline perspective, it's like out of left field. Yeah. And you don't, you aren't really given time to really live with it at all. You're like, oh, shoot. Okay. This is happening. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of how Peter felt at the moment too. So it, it gives you that shock. Like, oh, what is going on? What is, who, what is, what is he doing here? Uh, but if you saw Spider-Man 2, this is what led up to it. So that... The end of Spider-Man Two leads right into Goblin Junior, um, and yeah, the the fight scenes were just phenomenal. I loved the CGI in this movie. I loved how seamless it was from uh, CGI flying through the air to the close-up shots where it's their faces or the sand when you ha- see the sand flowing, and then or all right, so the first scene with the sand, you see it's actual photorealistic sand. Mm-hmm. You can tell when it's fake sand right but it's so smooth transitioning from the real sand to the fake sand that you just <laughs> it's unbelievable for 2007 <laughs> it's unbelievable i uh, like for what was the budget what was the budget i love i love 158 million dollars right that is the highest budget of any of these movies the next That's a lot 250 million dollar movie that is a lot of money, dude. The next movie is Age of Ultron that beats it out for budget, and that's oh, three hundred and sixty-five wow. million. It begs the question: Why was there no sequel? Since this was the most profitable Spider-Man, there movie. were three more sequels in development until kind of, Far From Home. This yeah. is the most profitable Spider-Man movie until Far From Home. If, yeah. if my facts are not incorrect, like, and this, was this movie bad enough where it made all of this boatloads of cash? But didn't warrant a sequel? No, we have had way well, worse it, movies get sequels. Well, that's the thing, because it did warrant a sequel. It did. In fact, it was in pre-production. It's just Sam Raimi, he didn't want to do He mm. Well, he, it's not that he fell out of interest of doing it. He just didn't want this process again. He said he hated the process of making this movie. So he didn't want to go through this process again. And eventually it just kind of fell off. And they were like, well, we got to make a Spider-Man movie. So might as well just reboot the thing. They had, they, I mean, they had plans. Yeah, contractually, they had to make a movie, and if Sam Raimi wasn't right. going to, then they had to think of something else. Which is a, the unfortunate downfall of how it all falls apart is, is very, very sad. Because although I really do like the Tazza movies, getting a Spider-Man 4 would have been pretty interesting, especially because of the storyboards that were written out for it. Possible Mysterio and all of the Easter eggs that Bruce have been. Bruce Campbell Mysterio. So looking at the, yeah. looking yeah. at the storyboard, I forget. I looked at it quite a while ago, but they also wanted to jam-pack that one full of villains, which I feel like it would have had the same effects that this one had because regardless how you look at it, this movie either had to be two hours longer or you had to cut two or three storylines because there's just so much happening. You try to have three villains, introduce a new love interest, have this whole relationship dynamic happen. There's just there's way too much going on in this movie, so... I think, just looking at it, Sandman's clearly my my top tier, and you need you need Harry in this movie too because his arc has to be finished. It the what the first two movies did such a great job of was building to this new Goblin. I would have preferred him to just be the Green Goblin. I don't know why he has a a surfboard or a, a snowboard. I think it's okay. in the sky. I think I, I think it's dumb. Nothing beats that glider look. The glider is just so. Slick and cool looking, but yeah, you need Harry in this movie and the symbiote stuff. It's my favorite part of the movie, but it also needs to not be in there. It's it's such a hard task. It really feels like this should have been both the third and the fourth movie, and then whatever the fifth or the the fourth movie was drawn up to be. That should have been the fifth and sixth movie. This movie originally was going to be two movies. Yeah. Yes, I read that. Yeah. It. Should it have been? I think that it should have just been one long, just one longer movie. Sam Raimi is so um, accustomed to his two-hour movies or less, uh, but I think that this could have definitely used a three-hour cut, where they they draw out the Venom line, they draw out the MJ line, and they draw out the Gob- Goblin Junior line. Everyone needs just twenty percent more. I feel like everybody's at eighty percent. The storylines are almost there. But this is already the longest movie we've hit 
in our it Marvel is. movie marathon so, so far. My, but my thing is, though, I, I disagree. I think it has to be two films because yeah. of how much there is to do. Because Spider-Man 3, when you watch it, clearly, clearly sets up Goblin to be the next bad guy. Spider-Man 2? Spider-Man 2, yes. yes my bad. Yeah. He is sidelined in this movie. He is like, I mean, it's him... It's weird because I feel like almost all three villains are sidelined in this movie at certain times. So it's like focus on Green Goblin, tease the Venom symbiote in three, and then in four do Sandman and Venom. Yeah, yeah. That's what you got to do. Mm. Like the Because the, then you can have your two-hour movies make just as much money because I feel like at this time it's riding on hype. A lot of that money comes from hype because, I mean, we're living right now in a time where Bully Maguire is a great meme, and honestly, it's one of the greatest scenes. But back in the day, very negative. Yeah, w- watching this movie, I cannot imagine the reaction that the Bully Maguire scene would get when you're sitting in the theater. You're hyped. Oh, you're hyped for <laughs> Spider Man 3. You're so excited. And then you get that scene. Now, we love it. It's yeah. iconic. It's so fun. But seeing it from. That perspective, it's really hard to look at it that way. It's a prequel scenario. Everyone's expecting the Star Wars prequels to be like the originals. And then you go in with stilted dialogue and long movies and not really a main character. And it's like, what's going on? What's happened? What happened to my movies? You know? So it's like, it's that situation. Now it's received very well. But back in the day, I'm not going to lie, though. <laughs> this is my second time watching it. I had such a good time with everything in the Venom symbiote scene. I was laughing the whole time. I'm serious. Like, legitimately, I bumped my score up half a point because of this. Because it's that much. And that I don't know if that has to say something with the culture, because that is just a cultural aspect of this movie. But... I bumped it up half a point because of all of this. No, it's just such a vibe. You know, he's walking down the street. You have the music going, and, you know, he's he, he's so confident. He walks past the, the, the store, and it says sale on it. So he's like, you know what? I'm broke. Let me go in there, buy a suit, because they're having a big discount sale. Comes out, you know, Bully Maguire. More than confidence. Up. It's arrogance at that point. He is. Oh, it's confidence and, and arrogance. I think that it's, it's a really good way to make the audience um, – not relate to the character (laughs) like peter parker is one of the most relatable superheroes of all time Mm -hmm. that's why he's the best-selling superhero of all time because everyone can relate to him broke college student that awkward with girls awkward with girls just trying to get along in life and all these life issues get in the way of his superheroing and his superheroing gets in the way of his life issues and it's it's exactly what real people would be and having that disconnect with the audience, people hated it back then. But that's the director's intent, and I think it works. Because we're not supposed to like Peter when he's in the Venom suit. He's supposed to be arrogant. He's supposed to be unlikable. And we're supposed to, oh, look at this guy. Look at this funny guy. He's stupid. Like, nobody would do that because nobody has that kind of arrogance, that negative quality, not the confidence, the positive quality of living out. So... I think that I did an excellent job of of uh, making the audience <laughs> despise. <laughs> yes, Ethan, you were talking. We can about laugh at it. The music in this movie. Now it's very iconic, the whole Bully Maguire sequence. But the score actually has an interesting story because it was supposed to be Danny Elfman. Mm-hmm. He couldn't do that. I forget what movie he was scoring, but he had scheduling conflicts, so they brought in Christopher Young, who did the Bl- Ghostwriter score, and. For this movie, he uses a lot of, like, I'm not going to lie, it's one of the best scores to any Spider-Man film ever. You have the black suit theme. He reuses all of the Spider-Man themes as well. And then you have the iconic Sandman theme, which is so good. And, like, all of the brief scenes that he is in, unfortunately. But the score for this movie, I'm not going to lie, this is kind of a hot take, but I think it's the best score that we've had so far, using the themes that Raimi and Elfman have created, but they're to highlight the scene with where it's accented the best is when Peter pulls out his suitcase again and dons the red, the classic suit again, and he opens up the briefcase and you hear that iconic Spider-Man theme. It's like that is that scene is so good. So 
but the, I think the score is the best part of like well the best score for these Spider-Man films. Yeah, I think that um, it's a shame too because this movie score was never released on streaming services. It's yeah. never gotten a physical release because of licensing issues. I don't know why. I forget why. Uh, but they've never had a physical release of the Spider-Man 3 soundtrack, which sucks because it's so good. I love the soundtrack. I think that I prefer the second. I think I prefer Spider-Man 2 soundtrack over Spider-Man 3, but that's just a preference thing, personal yeah. thing. Um, yeah, I, I would love to own the soundtrack on vinyl. Well, that's the thing. You can only get it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I've got YouTube Premium, so I can still listen to it nice, but it's it's not in the crispest like it's ripped from quality. the movie, so they. So it's like, mm, it could, it just could be better. But no, I really, really like the score for this movie. What are you, what are you, what are you doing? What are you right what are you, now? What are you laughing at? Oh no, we were talking about score, and I pull up the spreadsheet. I just saw that Mike already had a score in here, and yeah, I, I'm changing it. You're changing. I definitely. I always put a score in there, and I lower yeah, it or raise it, or I'll probably raise it. Interesting, you're <laughs> cheating, bro. No, I'm not cheating. I, just, I was looking at this to see what I ranked other you're movies. You're supposed and... to look ahead. That's spoilers. Yeah. No, it's it's fine. <laughs> trying to no, move along good. this podcast already. But yeah, it is super upsetting that we don't have a Spider-Man four yet. I'll say yet, but yet. <laughs> because I mean, obviously, the rumor is out there. Make Tasm three. Make Spider-Man 4. Do you guys want to see a Spider-Man 4? So 2021 gave... Spoilers. I don't know if you've been living on a rock. No way home spoilers. You know, Spider-Man... Or uh, 2021 gave us uh, Tobey Maguire back on screen. And uh, 2022 gave us Sam Raimi back as director in the MCU. So both Tobey and Sam Raimi are back. Working for Marvel, so is and Bryce it, Dallas Howard's working for Disney. It's yeah, only a hop, skip, and a jump away. <laughs> so Spider-Man Four. What was your question, Ben? I forgot. Are you into that idea of making a Spider-Man Four? There's no reason not to be a Logan-esque ending for Tobey Maguire. Now it can't be as dark as Logan because that's not fitting to the first few movies. But yeah, I would definitely love to see another. Why don't we just do another trilogy? Let's get more of this. Right now, we as fans can comprehend multiverses. We know, yes, this Spider-Man's over here, this Spider-Man's here, this Spider-Man's here. We already have that going. We have Tobey Maguire, we got Andrew Garfield, we got Miles Morales and the whole Spider-Verse stuff, and we got uh, Tom Holland in the MCU. So we know how this multiverse stuff works. Sony, you're making trash movies. Madam Web, what? Looking at what? everything going into that. What's that Spanish name? It looks the wrestler, dude. That one's coming out too, like next year. Yeah, I don't know about it? that. The um, uh, Mooch, El, El, El Macho or something like El. that. I don't. I don't even know that. I don't El even. Muerto yes, is coming El out. Muerto. It's coming out November. Th wait, yeah, dude. Oh, I, January twenty twenty four. I will guarantee that that movie's not coming out. Why would? <laughs> Why would that based off of one issue? Who's one, the, like four Bad panels. Bunny, right? No, but that that movie deserves to be thrown in the. <laughs> Have you guys so seen the? Many, there's the, so many the leaked photos for Madam uh, Web. Hmm. No, looks. Uh, you have Dakota Johnson and Sydney Sweeney. They're just they're in the most. It's like generic costume. It just it looks so bad. They've released that photos. I've only seen the one of the Spider Man. The Spider-Man that we have no idea who he is. Oh, yeah, so, that one. I don't know. I think that movie could be pretty interesting. I'm not going to lie. I'm but, keeping my mind open. Yeah, I have definitely am too. But Spider-Man 4, I could totally see them doing one. Make it like a Top Gun Maverick or a Logan. End off, finish off the character. Like, you, we deserve that as fans. Same thing with Tasm 3. Now, if I had to pick, I'd take Tasm 3. But, Micah, do you want a Spider-Man 4? Uh, I think that Ethan might like a Spider-Man four with a Daredevil in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> if, if with Ben if Affleck, it's ben Affleck's Daredevil, 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 then, Daredevil? then oh, yeah, man. we can have Ben Affleck Daredevil. We can have what is it, Jennifer Garner, Electra, Ben Affleck Daredevil, Wesley Snipes, Blade. Bring him, <laughs> bring him into there. Call yeah. it the the Wait, are OMC. We, are we just old, talking about Secret Wars? I Legacy like MCU. We can Wars. bring that in. 
Uh, yeah, I, real talk though, I would love a Spider-Man four. I would love to see. We we got a snippet of it of what it could be in Into the Spider Verse. How because there's that that uh, what was it Ben Parker? Mm. He could have wait no what was his name Peter B Parker Peter B Parker the adult one. There were a lot of people saying, "Is this Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man? Is this because we got flashbacks where he's holding the train back, and it sure sounds like the same relationship with MJ." It, we're so close. We're so close to seeing that. Why not just give it to us? I wouldn't even care if it's animated. Like, yep. give us the story of Tobey Maguire because they've set up such a such a uh, complicated relationship between MJ and Peter, and it wasn't resolved. Right. Mm-hmm. And Still it's to been, this day. It's been so many years, and there's no resolution to it. It doesn't say in the movie if they got back together after MJ broke up because of Harry saying that they should break up so that he can break his heart (laughs) as as Norman. The heart, Osborne. Go for the heart. Yeah, so I I think that we... Not that we deserve a, a fourth movie because they've really been pumping out sequels and they've been pumping out this stuff and... It needs to be a heartfelt sequel. It can't just be another cash grab. It can't be. It can't even be a No Way Home. Like No Way Home, there was a lot of fan service in that. No, it needs to tell a story mm. that will make the audience say, "Wow, that was that was not pandering it, towards the audience. This was pandering towards the story." You need, to a, close. You need a Logan. Yeah, we need it, a Logan. Something out of left field that we never. I mean, like. Yeah, we could have expected it because Wolverine is uh, bloody and bloody cool cowboy whatever western. We need something like that for Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. We yes. need to see this man who is broken, who just needs some sort of like he needs that resolution. Yep, I agree. Yeah, we you can't do a cash grab. We've seen that so much. We mm-hmm. saw it with uh, the Kenobi show, which. Is unfortunate, but yeah, that's what it was. It was a cash grab. Mm. They just wanted to bring the character back, and they didn't really have the story to do it. So if you're going to bring Tobey Maguire back like they did in No Way Home, they had a great story for that. He was Yeah, there was a lot of fan service in No Way Home, but the story also made me go wow. Yeah, mm. I The was story kidding, made yeah. me go wow. Yep. But yep. That, that's another thing, too. With No Way Home, I think that your favorite character in Spider-Man 3, or favorite villain, was Sandman, right? Mm-hmm. In Sandman, they kind of throw... I mean, not Sandman. In No Way Home, they kind of throw him aside. They they make him a, a bottom-tier villain with no... like. There, he's very watered down. He's very uh, he's wet sand in, uh, <laughs> in No Way Home. He falls apart. And in this movie... I mean, they don't even give him real live action in No Way Home. It's not the character They also resolution. didn't have Thomas Hayden Church... Come yeah. to the set. Yeah, but they should have had him in person if they were going to bring Sandman back. It was just another. It's also a COVID movie. COVID. It movie. was a COVID it was movie. Harder. Yeah, there was no, a lot yeah, of things. I, I don't. But then they should have it. waited. They shouldn't have. I. I don't know. There. There are a lot of things they could have done differently with No Way Home. No Way Home is not a perfect movie. I think that it was a bit overrated in that way. But it is a really good movie. I won't. I won't say that it was a bad movie. There are things that it. It didn't do justice to the characters that were already written. It didn't do justice Are to... Are you talking about only Lizard and Sandman? Lizard, Sandman, a little bit of Electro, but not as much. That's fair. And then Green Goblin and, and uh, Doc Ock, and um, they're great. They're great. So so I'd say in the aspects that it mattered, it definitely delivered. Because mm-hmm. those, I would say Electro, Sandman, and uh, Lizard are kind of there more for spectacle. Yeah. I'll agree. But their characters were never... I didn't care as much for those characters when they were in their own movies. So I'm okay with that as long as they get Goblin and Doc Ock right, which is what they did. But that's the thing. I care about Sandman. I care about his relationship with his daughter and him just... His only motive is to help his daughter out. In Spider-Man 3, we see that. And there's actually extended... uh, There's an editor's cut, which isn't actually extended. It's shortened. But uh, there's a scene in there that they swap out where it's more scenes with Sandman and his daughter... And I think that those are the most emotionally charged scenes in this movie. Yeah, we got that, and then the scene at the end. Those are the ones that really that got a little bit of tears going. Yes, yeah, he's he's definitely an emotional. Raimi's good at writing and these. The the problem is we go back to the other two villains. You have so much that this movie has to do. It's already the longest Marvel movie ever at this point. So the fact that 
we're missing we're definitely missing scenes mm-hmm. this should have been split up i would have loved a f- more focused sandman story but that's not what we got and what we do get i really like with sandman so i got no complaints over here from what we got and yeah i definitely want more agreed yeah so we're running a little bit long on time but i do want to get your guys's favorite characters micah who do you like out of everyone in this movie the most i think that I mean, Sandman didn't live up to his full potential. Nobody lived up to their full potential. Who lived up closest to their potential, I guess I would say? Uh, I guess I'd just say Peter Parker in this movie. I He's think your favorite? That, uh, yeah. In the other movies, Peter was not my favorite. He had a lot of cool emotional beats going on, but Tobey Maguire didn't sell the character as much as... The writing carried it all for me in the other movies. In this movie, I think that... Tobey Maguire finally redeemed himself as a sufficient actor. When did he? When did he? Uh, when was he in Brother? Did you guys watch Brothers? Mm-hmm. Brothers. That movie, he was really good. He was amazing actor in that movie, and it shows that he's grown as a as an actor for this movie. I noticed that his crying scenes seem seem more genuine. They seem less uh, ugly cry and more just like. Frustrated. You can see the emotion on his face. It's not just one emotion. He's uh, showing that he can be arrogant with the venom. He's showing a wide range of emotions in this movie. And I think that not only is Peter Parker my favorite character in this movie, but Tobey Maguire is my favorite actor in this movie. Because he just does such a such a better job than what he did in the previous movies. Not that he was bad in the other movies, but he's shown that improvement. And I love everything with Bully Maguire. I, oh, not everything. I love most things with Bully Maguire. Um, I love how uh, the writing is for Peter and how the writing is different for Bully McGuire. That they are two completely different characters, but it's just Peter with heightened arrogance. Um, I love the web swinging scenes. Our Spider-Man in this movie. This is, I think, this, these are the best swinging scenes we get. The best fight scenes we get in the trilogy. Uh, I, I love the fast-pacedness of it all. Uh, how Raimi is able to condense these fights to be action, 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 suspense. Oh, the ring is falling. Is he going to catch the ring before he falls? He totally shouldn't have because it was falling, (laughs) but he does. And I think that it's with the hoverboard. I think that's, that's cool too. We, We see him use his environment more in this movie and it's showing off that CGI flex that we don't get to see as much in the other two movies. Um, we get to see more of that relationship with MJ. We get to see how Peter just can't get through to MJ, even though he's trying his hardest now. He is so close to getting to MJ, but MJ just doesn't connect. She doesn't understand human relations. <laughs> and um, that's uh, that's no fault of Peter. <laughs> this movie yep. makes it clear that it's MJ. <laughs> it's MJ's fault, not Peter's fault. Uh, we get to see him try to make that relationship with Harry work. He's like, please, it wasn't me. It was your father who killed himself. And we get that redemption. We get the closing. I think that's another thing that this movie did right is we get the closing with Harry and Peter mm. as as fast as possible. It wasn't a <laughs> it wasn't a drawn up thing, but that was something that I, I appreciate that they did do before they killed him off. Is they had that closure where the butler said, hey. I examined your father's wounds that night. I cleaned them up, and it was... It the was. butler with the most stupid... Bernard. Not even Bernard. Bernard is his name. <laughs> and for some reason, this is when he decides to tell this to Harry. Right. You know, actually... Same editor's thing. Cut cuts this out completely. <laughs> okay. Well, then Harry returning makes even less sense in the editor's cut, but this also doesn't make sense. Randomly, Bernard's like, Hey, yo, Harry. Actually, the night your dad... The night he died, he was impaled by his own glider go go help your buddy spider-man go like come on come on he spider-man or peter says the exact same line he did in spider-man 2 though as well he's like this is bigger than us this is bigger bigger than you and me and it it fits yeah it's just the same thing that set up the finale in the second one so (laughs) right so peter parker peter parker is my favorite because i think that they improved on his character um, from the other two movies. Now it's my turn. My favorite character is Sandman. But before I talk about Sandman, I, uh, I'll attack Mike. I hate Peter Parker in this movie. You're supposed to. Yeah. 
he can't be my favorite. He can't be. He's no, I love the Peter in the first two. This one is just so hard to like. And he comes to that realization by the end. So yes, he he knows he's wrong at the end, but during the whole journey, it's it's a rough watch. I hate a lot of the choices he does. But yeah, Sandman, I really love his his character. I love uh, the motivation. I don't like that they make him kill Uncle Ben. I think that is just a real forced way to try to make Sandman relevant when really for Spider-Man, all that has to be relevant is there's a villain wreaking havoc in New York City. That's all you need. You don't need this personal connection to Peter, which the other two movies did a good job at, but they really wanted all three villains to somehow have some relationship with Peter Parker in this movie, which makes it so messy because you can have multiple villains in a movie, but the fact that they're all intertwined with Peter makes it really messy. But yeah, I, lo- I really like Sam, and I love the portrayal of him. Any line he delivers, I think, is really good. You see that Thomas Hayden Church has an emotion to him and the way he's portraying, and the scene where Peter forgives him at the end, I really do like that. And he kind of he kind of fades away into the into the dust. But yeah, I uh, I'll defend MJ in this movie and uh, bash Peter Parker, but yeah, that's uh, that's my take. Those are two good picks, and I would I would also say Peter is my favorite in this one. But at the expense of not going over what you said, uh, I will say I would like to highlight two side characters. J. Jonah Jameson, as always, is fantastic in this movie. Trying to deal with anger management is a great way of having some conflict between his character and almost everything in his in his delivery and lines and everything like that is great. Peck your things, get out of my building. It's a great line. Um, and then also Ursula. She is great. Shout out she Ursula. She remains yeah. to be the the woman that Peter Parker should go out with over Gwen, over MJ. It really should be She's Ursula. She's always there for him. She man. Is She's always, always there, for him. there for him. Every time. She's even excited when MJ is there to call back. And it's like, oh, I felt bad when he was right Boy McGuire talking to her. He was just demanding right. orders. And you got, you got any with nuts in that? Make some with nuts. Make some cookies with nuts on <laughs> yeah, right. So it those two side characters I really, really like. See, yeah, and going along with uh, Bully McGuire is the Venom symbiote amplifies what is already existing in a person. So everything he does, a little part of him would have done as regular Peter. And that just really gives me a sour taste towards the character. Mm. So favorite characters, favorite scene in this movie. Above all else, what would you say their favorite scene was in Spider-Man 3? But this time I'll kick it to Ethan first. Yeah, it's the, the scene at the end when uh, Peter forgives Sandman. I just think that the the acting in both uh, Tobey Maguire and Tom Hayden Church is just exceptional. And uh, kind of right in the same beat, Harry's death, I think, is a really good scene too. That whole that whole ending, I uh, I think... For what I think is a really messy movie, I think the finale is really good. Mm. I don't like that they make MJ a damsel in distress for the third Again. third time in the trilogy, but I do think it's a good it's a good closing of the movie, and I think the emotional punch is there. Micah, favorite scene? Favorite scene is the fight scene between uh, Goblin Jr. and Harry the first time before he has his amnesia. Yeah. I think that scene is so well choreographed. The music is awesome in that one too. Uh, I love the uh, the tensions of the ring and how uh, it, it plays with the audience. It's like, is he gonna get it? Is he gonna get it? Oh, he got it. Okay, Whew, we're good. But uses an environment, uses the the little uh, batarang things. He's like, I hate those things. I, everything about that scene is from the CGI to the music to the to the tensions, to the stakes, to everything. I love that scene. I love how it builds up the whole movie for, uh, like, Harry's plotline. For Harry's plotline, at least, where he gets amnesia, and then you feel the weight of these punches. Mm. You feel the the scratching across the belly. And uh, an, another stake is, is somebody going to see this man dressed up in normal clothes flying or, or shooting webs around the city? It, like, his identity is at stake, too. So... I really like that scene. There's a lot of uh, layers to that scene, um, and it's just a theme. Uh, it's a tone setter for the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. And I remember because there's what three good fight scenes in this movie, and they're yeah. all solid. The other two movies don't have 
completely solid fight scenes. Yeah, and when I did my rewatch of Spider-Man 3 last year, right before No Way Home, that scene, I remember seeing I, from last year, I was like, man, that was a good scene. And mm. same thing, rang true this time. But uh, Ben, what, you what is your favorite scene in this movie? My favorite scene, and it has been since the first time I watched it last year, was when uh, Goblin, the new Goblin, comes and rescues Peter. However rushed that, f- that is in the story purposes, when he saves Peter and comes up and offers him his hand, and he's like, you came. That scene is so yeah. epic to see those two fighting together. Yeah, there's just something special about a superhero team-up. Yep. It, uh, I mean, I'm not the biggest Elektra fan, but there's something special about seeing Daredevil fight with someone. It's just that character team-up, you can't really beat it. Yep. Peter's been able to catch uh, MJ three different times when she's falling out of a building. Oh, boy. I hope that the record stands for the Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we'll save it for that movie, though, because this has been Spider-Man 3, a very mixed bag of opinions between all of us, and I would like to do scores. So for this movie, and I'll shoot this out to Micah first, as always, you said you had a score at the start, but now I think you might want to change that score. What would you give Spider-Man 3? Oh, man. So I finished this movie, and the main things you want to compare it to are the original movie, or the, the other two. So is it better than two? No. Spider-Man 2 is the best Spider-Man movie of all time, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that it is unbeatable because of how just wrapped up everything everything wraps up with such a neat bow at the end and then it still gives you that little oh but goblin jr he could he could still be bad Ooh, uh and i i think that nothing can beat spider-man 2 in that way i i won't say never all right something might beat it later we'll see but um as for spider-man 1 i think that this movie is more uh, not complete it's more uh, it has more things in it than Spider-Man 1. Spider-Man 1 was a very simple, or a much more simple story compared to this movie. And I think that it helps Spider-Man 3 more than hurts Spider-Man 1. I think that Spider-Man 3 tackling all these different villains, uh, it worked for me personally. I know that Ethan said it didn't work for him. Ben, I don't know if it worked for you as well. But uh, I think that it tackled all these different plot lines pretty well for how many there were so overall i'd say it was better than spider-man 1 not as good as spider-man 2 i gave spider-man 1 an 8.2 i gave spider-man 2 a 9.5 and i will give spider-man 3 an 8.5 out of 10 8.5 8.5. I did not change my score. 8.5 out of 10. All right. That's Micah's score. Ethan. I really like this movie. I'll kick it to you. Yeah. And uh, I don't, I'm glad what worked for Micah worked for him. But, you know, I have no shame in saying I, I'm not the biggest fan of this. Sam Raimi isn't even the biggest fan of this. I think it, the inclusion of the three villains and uh, the runtime just don't work together. You either make this movie an hour longer or you make it a second movie. It, it's just too hard. And I don't really think there's any... You get satisfying ending with Sandman, I'd say. But I don't know if the ending with Peter is necessarily satisfying. And a, a lot of the, like you said, the characters in this movie aren't fleshed out enough. You go 30, 40 minutes without seeing a certain character. You're like, oh, yeah, the Sandman's in this. Oh, oh wait, the, the symbiote? I forgot about that. I forgot that weird thing fell from space. So for me, it's just so messy. And I, I don't like the main character. I don't really like Peter. I think he has some good scenes and some redeeming qualities, but I think he's really, really unlikable. And, Micah, I don't know if you can see in that spreadsheet, but I've already punched in my score. I did. I'm disappointed. And uh, (laughs) this, I think, is the worst of the Raimi trilogy. I Mm -hmm. think there's a lot of great in the first two. And I respect Micah's opinion about saying that Spider-Man 2 is the best Spider-Man movie of all time because, you know, I'm up there. I think No Way Home is a little better, but... I there's a special spot in my heart for Spider-Man 2 and mm-hmm. seeing that this follow-ups that and also ends this trilogy and we don't have a Spider-Man 4 to follow this up just it's so sour. So this is the worst ranked, but I do think it's it's the best third movie of the trilogy too. I think it's better than Blade and I think it's it's better, better than Blade Trinity and it's better than, than X-Men the Last Dance. So I put this 
at a 6.5. 6.5. All right, 8.5, 6.5. Very, very different. (laughs) So I'm with Ethan on this one. I think it's the least of the Raimi trilogy for sure. But I've come to a realization that I don't think any one of these movies are bad. I think, honestly, all of them are pretty good films. Compared to a lot of bad Marvel movies in the early days, these these definitely deserve the resume that they have. A bit ahead of its time. Yes. So... I do think a lot of plot lines were really rushed, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this movie is just a really fun watch. Do I agree with any of the choices that they make? Not all of them, no. But I would say that this is a pretty enjoyable watch, and I am going to come literally right in the middle of you guys and go 7.5. 8.5, 6.5, and 7.5. I, I am unsure as to where this will come out on the board, but... This has a 6.3 on IMDb. I don't think that's deserved because I think all of the... And I honestly do believe that all of the Raimi trilogy, like 1, 2, and 3, they fall pretty much on the same pedestal for me. You know, there is... I I believe there's about 1.5 point difference between my scores for all three of them. But I do think this is the least of them. I think at 7.5, 8 for 1, and then 8.5 for 2. Yeah. Now, as for the best Spider-Man movie, that's up for debate. We cannot forget about No Way Home, and we can't forget about Into the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man 2 falls lower for me. And as time goes on, I I really, I don't know. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is quickly becoming one of my favorite movies, superhero films of all time. Genuinely. (laughs) So, I don't know. But right now, my ranking stands as No Way Home, Into the Spider-Verse, Spider-Man 2. Mm. So... We can do with that what you may, but I gave it a 7.5. Micah, what does that overall come out to? Well, since you were right in the middle of us, that puts us right at 7.5. I'm stupid. Yeah, why didn't I realize that? (laughs) Wait a minute. So that gives us Spider-Man 2 as our best Raimi movie, which I will agree with that, at an 8.9. I will agree with that. That is good. Spider-Man 2 is in our second place. Oh, this is like full rankings, too. Spider-Man 2 is number one. Spider-Man, Spider-Man 1 is number two uh, at a 7.9 for our collective score. And then Spider-Man 3 is at a 7.5. Tied with fourth place for X-Men 2. Oh, wow. Fourth place. Fourth okay. place. And so then third so, place. Third so place overall, is, uh, for this trilogy, I'm assuming that this gives us the highest score, the highest score trilogy out of X-Men, Blade, and Spider-Man. 8.1. So this is our top ranking trilogy. I mean, it takes all three top spots yes, of, yes. Our, <laughs> of our overall. But um, Raimi trilogy, we got an 8.1. X trilogy, we got seven, 7 out of 10. Uh, and then the Blade trilogy was a 6.4. So Blade is still holding up the rear there yeah. for our uh, <laughs> trilogies. But still, very underrated, the Blade movies. And I think it's really cool to see that pre-MCU era. They're worth a watch. That that, that the Raimi trilogy holds up. It is, it is fighting there. And yeah, sorry, I don't know. No, you're good. Sorry, I happened. totally interrupted you. <laughs> That's my bad. No, we'll, we'll cut this out. Um, I'm, that is my bad. Uh, what you Fantastic want? Four yep. summary. I got it. Oh, dude, you were ready. Dang it, man. Fantastic should, Four, Rise of the I Silver Surfer. Yep. I should never. Not Fantastic so, Four stick. So <laughs> the next Marvel movie we have on our watch list right before Iron Man, it's slowly creeping up on us, we have Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, Ethan. Yes, so the Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, a synopsis of this is, the Fantastic Four learn that they aren't the only superpowered beings in the universe, and they square off against the superpowerful Silver Surfer and the planet-eating Galactus. So that is the official IMDb summary. We'll see how accurate that is next week. But this movie is available to watch on Disney+. Plus. So go check that out. Make sure you watch it, and uh, then you can listen to us podcast on it next week. That's another thing. The Spider-Man movies are contracted to Netflix, too. Mm. So Netflix, if they wanted to do a Netflix original, I think they could. They would totally put this movie in the theaters. <laughs> They'd be stupid not to. I, I, yeah, I, I would want to see this movie in the theaters. But yes, Fantastic Four is next week. I've already seen Rise of Silver Surfer. I've watched it two days ago. Uh, actually, yesterday. And I, well, I'm not going to give away my thoughts, but I can't wait to talk about it. That's what I will say. So that is next week. Otherwise, what's, what's another movie that's uh, that we're watching tonight? 
T- tonight we're watching Black Adam. And at the behest of this becoming an even longer podcast, because we got to go see the movie, <laughs> we're very excited for it. We're real, I, I, I'm very excited to see what The Rock has to do, and especially Dr. Fate. I can't wait to see that character and uh, potential teases that this movie hope Shazam could, could <laughs> bring in. But we'll see. We'll see tonight. Otherwise... This is Ben Rayside. This is Ethan Westloff. This is Micah Head. Signing off, we all hope you have an absolutely fantastic day.